Hi, and welcome to Red Cup Plays. I'm your host, Greg, and uh, today we're going to be playing Starforged. Uh, Starforged is a spinoff of, or a second coming, I guess, of the Iron Sworn game that is powered by the Apocalypse. You can find more information on it at www.ironswornrpg.com. And a guy named uh, Sean Topkin is the guy who created this. The original one, Iron Sworn, is completely free in PDF format. So you can download that, play it right out of the, of, uh, the PDF. And it's an amazing game. He recently completed a Kickstarter where he was asking for like $15,000 to make a sci-fi version of the game. He completely crushed that and ended up with almost $350,000. As of right now, there is a late backer uh, is still up. You can find more information on that on ironswornrpg.com. Today we're going to be going over finding out the truths for our game, um, what's true about our game, and uh, we're going to be going over character creation. In the part two of episode zero, we're going to be going over starting up a, a sector, where we're going to be playing. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the one rule that he has is that prep is play. So even though you're just setting things up, this is part of the game. And it's still a lot of fun. Gives you a lot of ideas. So uh, there are a couple assumptions that people make. Or that this game makes as far as your setting. Those assumptions are this is a perilous future. This game takes place about two centuries after humanity gets to a place called the Forge, which is in a distant galaxy. We'll be going over that about why we went there and how we got there. It's assumed that this is a lonely future. This is a what is considered a human-centric game. It is, there's not going to be a lot of, as far as I know, intelligent life. However, the dice may choose otherwise, but that's just kind of our default assumption right now. It's a diverse future. There are a lot of different people, cultures. It's a far-flung future. So there are settlements scattered all over the place. They're, a lot of times they're isolated from each other. You get a spaceship at the beginning of the game, which is really cool. You don't have to do anything for it. They, the rules just give it to you. And although it can travel at faster than light speeds, when you're talking a whole galaxy... Faster than light is very, very slow. It's also an unexplored future. So even though we've been in the forge for a couple hundred years, there are a lot of things that we just haven't figured out yet. We haven't saw yet. It's also a wondrous future. There's a lot of mysteries. There's going to be a lot of creatures that we're going to see, stuff that's going to happen that is beyond our understanding or beyond what is going on on Earth. So it's going to be kind of cool. It's a retro future. So think maybe Fallout 4, Firefly, even Star Wars to a certain extent. It's kind of... It's future technology, but envisioned from a 70s or 80s mindset, so to speak. 
it's an unjust future because just like now, people in power want that power. They don't, a lot of them don't care how they keep that power, whether it's hoarding resources, controlling different uh, technological stuff. There may be dictators in this. We're not sure yet. However, it is a hopeful future because even though there's a lot of difficulties, even though there's a lot of things that could go wrong, it is hopeful because we're out there doing things, hopefully to make things better, possibly to make things worse. We'll find out. So there are 14 categories of truths that we're going to go over. There are, there, the categories are the cataclysm, what happened on earth, why we left, the exodus, how we left, communities, where, how we live now, Iron, um, hence the name Iron Sworn, Starforged. Iron plays a huge part in this game, and we'll go over that when we get there. Uh, laws, how authority and how the laws are set up in, in the Forge. Religion, magic, communication and data, medicine, artificial intelligence, War, life forms, precursors, horrors. Then I'll go over some of those that I haven't gone over already uh, when we get to them. So the first one is cataclysm. So there are three different options for each of these categories. What I'm going to do is there's an option that you can roll for a random one. This game that we're going to be playing together, well, I'm going to be playing, you're going to be listening to me, I'm going to roll as much as what I can. Make it as random as possible. So for the Cataclysm, it states that we fled the ravages of a catastrophic war. Over millennia, we consumed resources and shattered lives as we fueled the engines of industry, expansion, and war. In the end, a powerful foe took advantage of our rivalries in a violent bid for power. Fleeing devastation, we assembled our fleets and traveled to the forge. A new home, a fresh start. In this final war, we were set upon by, and this is another random roll, self-replicating nanomachines. Okay, the next one is the Exodus, how we got from Earth to the Forge. And random roll. Mysterious alien gates provided instantaneous one-way passage to the Forge. In the midst of this cataclysm, our ancestors found a strange metal pillar on our homeworld's moon. A map on the surface of this alien relic detailed the deep space locations of the Iron Gates, massive devices which powered artificial wormholes. With no other option, the Exodus ships fled through the gates and emerged here in the forge. I've played a few games of this. I don't think I've ever used this with the Iron Gates, and uh, so this is going to be interesting at least for me. So our communities. How, how do we live in the Forge? We have made our mark in this galaxy, but the energy storms we call Balefires threaten to undo that progress, leaving our communities isolated and vulnerable. Starships navigate along bustling trade routes between settlements. We've built burgeoning outposts on the fringes of known sectors, and bold spacers chart new paths into unexplored domains. 
but this hard-earned success is threatened by the chaotic bail fires, intense energy anomalies, which cut off trade routes and threaten entire planets. Now, iron. Iron is the next truth that we're going to do, and iron plays a big part because there's a big part of this game that's called vows. You, you swear a vow, or you swear an iron vow. Iron is almost a sacred thing, so to speak, and people who swear a vow on iron take it very, very seriously in this game. It's almost as if once you swear on iron or make a vow on iron, you are bound to that. If you break that vow, bad things usually happen. So how, what role does iron play in our world? Iron vows are sworn upon totems crafted from the enigmatic metal we call black iron. Black iron was first forged by a long-dead civilization. Some say it is a living metal attuned to the hidden depths of the universe. Remnants of this prized resource are found within ancient sites throughout the forge. It is resistant to damage and corrosion, but can be molded using superheated plasma at specialized facilities. The iron sworn carry weapons, armor, or tokens crafted from black iron and swear vows upon it. So this could be as simple as a little totem on a chain all the way up to you're swearing it on the very metal that or very armor that you're wearing. The next one is laws. How's our government set up? How, how do people relate to each other in a sort of a legal sense? Our communities are bound under the terms of the covenant, a charter established after the exodus. The organization called the Keepers is sworn to uphold these laws. Most settlements are still governed under the covenant and yield to the authority of the Keepers, but a few view the covenant as a dogmatic, impractical, and unjust relic of our past. In those places, the keepers find no welcome. So there are things that there are groups of factions that populate the forge, and we've just met one of them, the keepers. So almost maybe a police-like or possibly diplomatic. I'm not sure, but I guess we'll find out. The next one is religion. What role does religion play in the forge? Okay, we rolled our gods failed us. We left them behind. The exodus was a tipping point. The gods offered no help to the billions who died in the cataclysm, and spirituality has little meaning in the forge. Most now see religion as a useless relic of our past, but the search for meaning continues, and many are all too willing to follow a charismatic leader who claims to offer a better way. So it's kind of an atheistic kind of place. The next one that we're going to roll is magic. And we rolled unnatural energies flow through the forge. Magic and science are two sides of the same coin. Soon after our arrival... Some displayed the ability to harness the forge's energies. Today, mystics invoke this power to manipulate matter or see beyond the veils of our own universe. But this can be a corrupting force, and the most powerful mystics are respected and feared in equal measure. Arthur C. Clarke said that any technology that is sufficiently advanced is almost indistinguishable from magic. So that's kind of what I see this as, with especially since it says magic and science are two sides of the same coin. There's probably a scientific reason why it happens, especially with what we rolled last with the religion. So I don't see it anybody saying that, you know, magic is coming from the gods or anything like that. 
They, they know that there's a scientific explanation behind it. We just may not know what it is yet. The next truth we're going to roll for is communication and data. How does information get passed along from one place to another? And we rolled information is life. We rely on a guild of space-born couriers, the heralds, to transport messages and data across the vast distances between settlements. So we've just met a, yet another faction. So now, for those of you who are keeping count, we have the Keepers and the Heralds. Direct communication and transmissions beyond the near space of a ship or outpost is impossible due to the chaotic energies of the Forge. Might have something to do with the bale fires that we rolled about earlier, or that we rolled up earlier. Digital archives are available at larger outposts, but the information is not always up to date or reliable. Therefore, the most important communications and discoveries are carried by the heralds sworn to see that data to its destination. So the next one is medicine. What's medicine like in the forge? We rolled up to help offset a scarcity of medical supplies and knowledge. The technicians we call riggers create basic organ and limb replacement. Much was lost in the exodus. And what remains of our medical technologies and expertise is co-opted by the privileged and powerful. For most... Advanced medical care is simply out of reach. When someone suffers a grievous injury, they'll often turn to a rigger for a makeshift mechanical solution. I think this one's really cool, because uh, we could have a mechanical arm, mechanical eyes. I'm thinking RoboCop is somewhere out there. I think this one would be really cool. So... Artificial intelligence. Is AI a thing in the forge or not? So we rolled. We no longer have access to advanced computer systems. Instead, we must rely on the specialist we call adepts. Our computers are limited to simple digital systems and the most basic machi machine intelligence. This is because, and we're going to roll again, we have lost the knowledge to create and maintain AI. So the adepts serve in place of those advanced systems. They utilize mind-altering drugs to see the universe as a dazzling lattice of data, identifying trends and predicting outcomes with uncanny accuracy. But to gain this insight, they sacrifice much of themselves. So I'm thinking, although not exactly the same uh, situation, but kind of the Mentat from Dune. And I know in the new movie, they didn't really go over what Mentats were as much. But in the book, Mentats were the computers of the Dune world. And they, they drank a substance, uh, a drug that cause their brain to function at a higher process. So this sounds like kind of a Mentat kind of thing. And also it is inter interesting that we didn't choose to get rid of AI or artificial intelligence. We've forgotten how, how to create it and how to maintain it. Just like in the last one with medicine, that not only is there a very little medical supplies, but the knowledge of medicine has been lost. So I'm thinking these iron gates might have messed with our neurons a little bit, screwed with our brains to where we don't remember a lot of the basic things that today we take for granted. The next one we're going to roll for is war. What is it good for? So we rolled, here in the forge, resources are too precious to support organized fighting forces or advanced weaponry. Weapons are simple and cheap. Starships are often cobbled together from salvage. Most communities rely on ragtag bands of poorly equipped conscripts or volunteers to defend their holdings, and raiders prowl the forge in search of easy prey. So 
I am thinking just off the top of my head with what we've rolled so far, there was a, the cataclysm was caused by, let me look it up again here real quick. Okay, so it sounds like back on Earth, somebody had made these self-replicating nanomachines. It sounds like they became sentient and started a war with the humans. So we went to escape, found, at some point we had found almost like a 2001-2010 monolith on the moon that showed us directions on where to go for these iron gates. To escape these nanobots, we jumped through it, but somehow things really got messed up and we'd forgotten a lot of our medical expertise, a lot of the technological advances that we'd made. We'd forgotten how to redo those or perhaps if we brought any of them along, they got zapped and it might have something to do with, let me see, there was something else, might have something to do with the bale fires that are throwing stuff up, but also these um, uh, these mystics that, that came out, or what we call mystics, that might have had something to do with it too, where it kind of messed with our DNA, messed with our mind, messed with our DNA. This is going to be an interesting forge to play in. So we've got three more to go. We have... One that is life forms. So what kind of life is in the forge? Okay, many sites and planets are infested by dreadful forge spawn. These aberrant creatures threaten to overrun other life in the galaxy. The forge spawn are hostile creatures born of the chaotic energies of this galaxy. Hundreds of abandoned or devastated outposts and derelict ships stand as testament to their dreadful power and cunning. So I'm getting a clear picture that the environment is not good for humans. So this is going to be interesting. The next one are precursors. What came before we got here? We rolled the biomechanical life forms we call the remnants, engineered by ancient civilizations as weapons in a cataclysmic war, survived the death of their creators. On scarred planets and within ancient vaults throughout the forge, the remnants still guard ancient secrets and fight unending wars. So we've got, I'm going to assume, giant robots, giant androids, I'm not sure which one it would be, or possibly not even giant, but robots, androids, something biomechanical, still out there fighting, guarding places. So this is going to be interesting. And the very last one, horrors. What kind of scary stuff is out there? As if what we haven't rolled already isn't scary enough. The strange energies of the forge give unnatural life to the dead. Oh boy, we have space zombies. And yet another faction. The Soulbinders are an organization sworn to confront these horrifying entities. The Woken Dead are a plague within the forge. Some of these beings are benevolent or seek absolution, but most are hollowed and corrupted by death. They are driven by hate and a hunger for the warmth of life, which is forever lost to them. The soulbinders are dedicated to putting them to rest, whatever the cost. So, this is going to be very, very interesting as far as just wow. We jumped into a place and the environment has totally, basically screwed everything. So nothing is the same as what we have here. Very, very interesting. So our next step in getting started is creating 
our character that we're going to be playing. There are 11 steps in creating your character. So the first one is to ready your assets. Now, if you've backed the Kickstarter, you have a PDF right now that lists all of your assets. I'm using an online tool uh, to keep track of all of this stuff uh, called Stargazer, which I believe is an authorized one. I believe this is one of the ones that Sean has authorized to use all of his creation and stuff online. Um, I do know that there is a very good character sheet on Roll20 that a lot of people use and seems very, very nice. These assets, um, if you've backed the Kickstarter, once it goes into production, uh, I believe somewhere around, can't remember if it's March or May, it's an M month of next year, 2022, is when everybody's going to be able to get the physical books. There are cards that come along with it. With the original Iron Sworn, there are a set of cards, which I believe you can get the, the physical ones through drive through RPG. And very well made, and I'm looking forward to the new ones. But there are a ton of assets that you have through the Iron Forge or through the Starforge Kickstarter. Um, I'll read a couple of them. With your starship, there are different modules you can get. Like you could get an expanded hold, where you could get more. You can have more supply. You have more cargo. Uh, you can have missile arrays. Uh, one of my favorite ones, which I don't think we're going to be doing in this one because of the truce that we rolled, but there's an overseer module, which is an AI inside of your ship, and it just kind of gives you somebody else to play with, so to speak, even though you're, you're doing this solo. But there are a bunch of modules you can have as far as your ship is concerned, there's support vehicles you can get for your ship, like a hover bike, um, an exosuit, which people have said uh, kind of uh, think what Sigourney Weaver had or Ripley used in Aliens with that big mech suit, something like that. All the way to you could have a small fighter on board your ship, which you could launch and it would help protect you. The bulk of the assets that you that Sean's came out with are paths. Um, these are different roles that your character or your Iron Sworn, uh, which is kind of what your your character is, what they call themselves is Iron Sworn. But there are a lot of paths that your Iron Sworn could go down. You could be an ace pilot, you could be a an agent, which is kind of a espionage spy kind of guy. You could be a bounty hunter, you could be with some of the magical things that you could do. You could be an empath, which is somebody who can read the intents, the emotions of people. Some of them could even like read their minds as far as their memories. You could be a gearhead. A lot of different ones. A lot, a lot of different ones that you could do. All the way to being a, a vestige. You're the last of your people, your culture, your tradition. You're the last one, uh, which can make something very, very good. You can get companions from animal companions of course, alien animal companions, which are like, they're a glow cat, which most people that I've heard consider it almost just like a, a regular cat, uh, maybe bigger, something that happens with, they almost communicate through their fur changing colors uh, with how intense it is or how bright it is. 
where they actually give off a glow, hence the name a glow cat. Sort of like in the Honorverse, if any of you have read the Honorverse. Sort of like, oh, what is the name of the... Sort of like the cat that Honor Harrington had. You could have a Rockhorn, which is sort of a... The pictures of him in, in the book give the impression of a smaller rhinoceros-type creature, all the way to you can have different bots that you that you have, uh, a combat bot, a utility bot, a survey bot, just very, very interesting things that you can have. Your first step is if you had the actual cards or if you've printed off the PDF on, say, card stock or something like that, the rules go on to say to pick two paths, specifically paths. Now, there are many things that you could do with this. You can go through and do two paths at random. If you've printed out the cards, just shuffle them up, deal out two paths, and those are the two that you're going to have. Uh, you could have an idea in mind as far as what their profession was, what their background has been. However, in the rule book, there's a table that you can roll on that randomly picks what your background is and gives you two assets to do that on. So, since I've rolled for everything else that I could, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to try to make it work one way or another. So let's see what we roll. We rolled a 33, which is Fugitive Hunter. That actually sounds very interesting. The assets that we have for that is Armored and Bounty Hunter. Okay, so the first one that I'm going to talk about is Armored. Now each of these paths, well, all of them, whether it be your starship, a path, a module, almost all of them have three different benefits on each of the assets. You start off with the first one, and as you gain experience, you can upgrade those assets to include some of the newer benefits. So armored, it says if you wear your finely crafted set of personal armor, the asset that you start with, it says, when you face danger, react under fire, or clash, which all three of those are moves that you make. That's how you do things in this game. Everything it comes under a, a move of one kind or another. When you face danger, react under fire, or clash against physical attacks or impact, you may put trust in your armor's protection. If you do... Set the value of your action die to 4 instead of rolling that die. So, I'll explain that when we get to it and when we start rolling dice during the game. The next benefit on that asset, which we can get later on once we get some experience, you add an important new piece to your set of armor or upgrade its materials. As above, but set the value of your action die to five instead of four. And the last benefit that you can take on this one, when you must endure harm, you may instead let your armor take the hit. If you do, roll your action die. On a four or greater, ignore the harm. On a one to three, ignore the harm, but your armor is now broken you must repair and spend five repair points to bring it back to working condition. For those of you who may have played this game before, I've never used Armored before. That is very interesting. So then our other asset that we took, uh, our other path, is Bounty Hunter. And the first benefit we get, when you take a bounty contract and swear an iron vow to see it done, add plus one. On a strong hit, You've got a solid lead and may immediately mark progress. Wow, that's good. When you fulfill your vow, make the legacy reward one rank higher. One extra box if already epic. Wow. 
I can see some of the assets that Sean liked a little bit more when he was creating this game. In fact, he said when he was writing Star Forge or creating it, revising it, all that stuff, was right when The Mandalorian was really big, season one and two. And you can see a lot of influence the way that he phrases things in the book, in the rules. You can really see how The Mandalorian has influenced this game. So the second as, or the second benefit you could get is when you gather information related to a bounty, add plus two. On a strong hit with a match, you reveal a, sprite, a surprising aspect of the contract. Envision what you discover and choose one. You could either forge ahead and mark progress twice or change loyalties Forsake your vow and mark two ticks on your bonds legacy track. That looks pretty interesting. And the last benefit on that one is when you take decisive action in a fight against a bounty target or their agents, you may re-roll one challenge dice. So that's pretty interesting. So we've chosen two paths. The next step is to create your backstory. Envision what happened to separate you from your former home and relations. And Sean has been really, really good at putting tables and things that you can roll on all the way through. So guess what? That's what we're rolling on. Uh, there's another one for your background. Um, all of these are D100 rolls. So this is... I'm going to roll on the backstory prompts table, and I rolled a 54, which is you rejected a duty or destiny. Okay, so our backstory is basically we're a bounty hunter. We've got really nice armor, and the reason why we became a bounty hunter is because we rejected a duty or a destiny. So we'll figure that out. When we figure out how, I, I'm when we come up with our background story all together, which I'm going to have to put a little bit of thought into that. I'll have to think about this. So the next step after we create our backstory is to write a background vow. Envision a background vow to represent a primary motivation or goal. Give it an epic rank. Uh, I'm thinking right now, which this may change, I'm not sure, but I'm going to say with an epic vow, my epic vow with being a bounty hunter is to become the most famous and feared bounty hunter in the forge. I think we're going to do that through getting bounties, coming through, uh, so that's going to be our background vow. Uh, it is epic, which means it's going to take us a little while to get up to it. Uh, there are, on each of your vows, on each of your progress moves, different things like that, there are 10 boxes that you need to fill. And these vows, progresses, different things that you, that you do in the game that you need to keep track of, those come in five different versions of it. It goes from troublesome to dangerous to formidable to extreme to epic. Troublesome, every time you make a move and, and make progress on your vow or progress on whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's in a fight or whatever, you mark three boxes, three complete boxes. Each box takes four ticks to fill it. So a troublesome, you fill three complete boxes. A dangerous one is two boxes, I believe. Let me look this up real quick so that way I'm not lying. So how this works is whether you make a vow or you are exploring a, a new site, a precursor vault, a in, a, in the middle of a fight, each of these has a rank. 
And there are five ranks. goes from Troublesome, which is the lowest rank, all the way up to Epic, which is the highest rank. Now, each of these progress tracks has ten boxes. Depending on the rank of whatever it is you're doing, whether it's the rank of your vow, the rank of the fight you're in, the rank of the exploration you're making, depending on that rank depends on how many either ticks or boxes you fill. Each box in a progress track is filled with lines called ticks. A full box consists of four ticks and a star-shaped pattern, if you're going to do it more like a uh, like an asterisk, a plus and an X over it. So when you make a move and it tells you to mark progress, you mark progress depending on the rank of the challenge that you have. So if it's troublesome, you get to mark three whole boxes every time you mark progress. So there's only 10 boxes in a track. So if you get a marked progress three different times, you've completed nine boxes out of that. So it's very, very easy to complete that vow because what you do is once you fill up your boxes, you use that as your action die and you just roll your challenge die. If it's a dangerous rank, you fill two complete boxes. Formidable, you mark one box per progress. If it's extreme, you mark two ticks. So you just make an X in it, and then you have to make two more ticks before you can complete that box. In an epic track, which our background vow is an epic vow to become the most famous and feared bounty hunter in the forge, Every time we mark progress on that vow, whether it be through recognition, through getting bounties, through getting bigger and more famous bounties, we mark one tick. So to get one box filled is going to take four ticks to get one box filled. So I would probably say 99% of the time, your background vow is going to be an epic vow. Your vow may not be completed during your game or before your, before your character may succumb to circumstances. So epic vows are very, very difficult, but it's more of a life's goal, a long-term goal. So may not happen right away, but it'll happen eventually. Our next step is to board our starship. So there's an asset on those asset cards that's command vehicle or starship. And the first one that everybody starts with is your armed multi-purpose starship is suited for interstellar and atmospheric flight. So not only can we fly in space, we can fly on a in the atmosphere of a planet, which we've never been able to do in real life. So that's cool. It can comfortably transport several people, has space for cargo, and can carry and launch support vehicles. When you advance, which is Starforge's version of leveling up, you may spend experience to equip this vehicle with module assets. So what we're going to do now is there's a table that's giving the starship a history. So this first table that we're going to roll on is how did we acquire our starship? So we're going to roll a D100 and we got a 3. It was acquired in trade for a precious family heirloom. You know, I don't know how Sean does this, but it seems like every time you roll something new, it lines up with something else that happened before. Because it says that our starship we rolled was acquired in a trade for a precious family heirloom. And if you remember... Our background, the reason why we went into bounty hunting and 
left our family was we rejected a duty or destiny. Something tells me, and I'm kind of piecing this together myself, there was some sort of family heirloom that we had that we stole, traded away for this starship, and were just kind of rejected by our family now. I think that's really freaking cool. So it goes on, and if you're playing in a group, this game can be played solo, just like I'm doing now, where you roll for any questions you may have, or you can play in a co-op, which is you have more than one person playing and no GM or game master, nobody guiding your play, or you could have it just like a regular tabletop role-playing game where you have one person taking multiple people on an adventure that they came up with. Although they could still use these same tables, oracles is what they're called in this game. They could still use these oracles to find out what comes next if they don't have something made up at the time. So the next question is who owns the starship? Well, since we're here by ourselves, guess what? We own the starship. And then the next one is envision the starship. Kind of like in Firefly where Serenity was kind of a character in itself. This is going to be a If not a character by itself, our starship is going to be part of our character. Kind of like a cowboy with his horse. You know, we're going to be a bounty hunter with his ship or her ship. Haven't decided whether it's going to be a boy or or whether we're going to play a, a him or a her yet. Or a they. Haven't picked pronouns yet. So I'm not sure what gender we're going to play yet. So... Everything that is so many things because of the environment that we rolled up before in the forge looks like everything has quirks or has something a little bit wrong with it. And there's an oracle here to roll on for the the quirk that your ship has. So you can roll either once or twice on this. So I'm going to start with once and see whether we want to go further or not. So the first one that we roll is a 17. And that says that the gravity generator is notoriously fickle. So I can see how that could come up in how that could come up in gameplay where all of a sudden we're in the middle of something and next thing you know, gravity's gone think I'm going to roll one more time, see what it is, see whether I decide I want to keep it or not. 34. Interior spaces are crowded with exposed cables and conduits. Yes, I like that. Probably part of the reason that the gravity goes out every once in a while is because there are exposed wires everywhere and probably one of them got a little bit frayed and hit some space turbulence. I know there's no turbulence in space, but it's a sci-fi fantasy game. Hit a little bump in space, and boom, that's what it is. So now we're going to give our starship a name. So we're going to roll on the starship name oracle, and we get the Herald of Doom. Oh, I like that. So the name of our starship is the Herald of Doom. And that is going to go right along with the fact that our epic vow is to become the most feared bounty famous and feared bounty hunter in all of the Forge. So the next thing we can do is we choose our final asset. We can do a module, a support vehicle, a companion, or another path. And I think, let me kind of look over the other assets, but I I think I know which one I'm going to take. Okay, so I think with being armored, being a bounty hunter, having a starship named the Herald of Doom, I think it is only appropriate 
that for our final asset, we are going to take Weapon Master. The first benefit in this asset says, you are a walking armory with a weapon for every occasion. That just sounds so badass and cool. When you enter the fray, which is how you start combat, when you enter the fray in personal combat, add plus one and take plus one momentum on a hit. Once per fight, when you gain ground by switching weapons or changing tactics, take an automatic strong hit. The next benefit you could get is when you strike using a personal weapon which has limited ammo or a single use mode, add plus one and mark progress on a hit. Then sacrifice resources, minus one. If you score a strong hit on this attack, and immediately take decisive action. You may retain the value of one challenge die from your strike action instead of re-rolling that die. That'll make a lot more sense later on. And the last benefit, when you secure an advantage by suiting up and gathering your gear for a perilous encounter or mission, you may roll plus supply. If you do, Take plus two momentum on a hit. This is going to be a very good asset for us to have. So we are a bounty hunter. We have this armor that I'm already picturing is going to be that black iron. Or at least part of it is going to be black iron. Maybe like the breastplate right now. And that's how we're going to swear our vows for our contracts. We are a walking armory. We got weapons coming out of everywhere. And we ride around in the starship, the Herald of Doom. I love this guy already. Or this character already. So, now that we have chosen our last asset, now it's time to set our stats. We have five stats. There's Edge, which is your quickness, your nimbleness. Um, how you are fighting from a distance, like with guns or bow and arrow. There is an archer asset in this. So Edge, if you've played Dungeons and Dragons, Edge is, is your dexterity. The next one is Heart. This is your willpower, your courage, your loyalty, your social stat. You know, when you, when you talk about somebody that has a big heart, that's kind of what you're talking about with this. Iron is your physical strength, your aggressiveness, how you fight at, in close quarters. That's what iron is. Shadow. Shadow is how deceiving you are, cunning, sneaky, how well you can lie, different things like that. And the last one is wits. This is how smart you are, uh, what knowledge you have, how observant you are, whether you're an expert in something or some sort of expertise. Across these five stats, you assign a number to. Those numbers are 3, 2, 2, 1, 1. I think 3 with our character is going to be Iron because he's going to be super, super tough. One of my twos is going to go to Edge because not only does he fight up close, but a lot of times with a bounty, may want to be far away, snipe him, do something like that. I'm also going to take two wits. I want to make good decisions on these things. And that means that our heart is going to be one because we're not very loyal to anybody. We're probably not going to be very social. And our shadow, I'm picturing it, if anyone has ever played, and I can't remember if it was Skyrim or Oblivion. I think it might have been Oblivion. When you join the Dark Brotherhood, one of the characters in it was this giant orc that he was just, everybody else wants to sneak around and everything, and I just go in there bust in the door, kill the guy, leave. That's what I'm picturing our character, this character doing. 
is just one of those, I don't care whether you see me or not, I'm just going to go in, kill him, get my bounty, and leave. You can try to stop me if you want to, but you will lose. That's the way that I'm picturing this guy, or this this character. I keep on saying guy, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards it being a guy, but it could be a girl too. So then the next thing that you do is you set your condition meters. There are different condition meters that you have in this game. You have your health, your spirit, and your supply. They all go from zero to five. Five being maxed out all the way down to zero. At that point, you get an impact, which could be you're wounded, you're shaken, you're unprepared, depending on which track goes down to zero. Health, you're wounded. Spirit, which is how you're feeling, you become shaken. Supply goes to zero, you become unprepared. And you have to get rid of those impacts before you're able to gain health, spirit, supply again. So you set all three of those to five. So you start out the game with full health, full spirit, full supply. And then you have a momentum track, which goes from 10 all the way down to negative six. It starts off at two. I'll explain more when we get to it. But momentum is just like the name implies. It's how well things are going in your favor. Honestly, it's a little bit of plot armor. So our next one is to envision our character, note any key aspects of your character's look and personality, name your character, write down your character's name, pronouns, and call signs. So we're going to roll on oracles for your name, your call sign. I'm actually going to do a couple that is called First Look. So that way I can kind of get a picture of, of our character in my head. So our character's name is Karthik Savala. That sounds like a guy. Yep, that sounds like a guy. And so he is going to be a he, him. And his call sign is Omega. And that sounds just about perfect for this character. Characteristics. Attractive and youthful. So I'm picturing we're going to come into the story right after we get the Herald of Doom. We have just, within a month or so, traded in whatever valuable heirloom we had that we took from our our family and made the decision to trade that for a starship. And I'm picturing this as being a POS starship. It is, this is going to be the hoopty of starships. Not a good starship. He traded a family, a priceless and precious family heirloom for a starship that in our world would be the equivalent of a Pinto. Not good. But his his characteristics are attractive and youthful. So this is just very shortly after he's traded this in for, for the Herald of Doom. He names it the Herald of Doom because he's youthful and that sounds very metal. He's also attractive, which is how he got hooked up with this seller in the first place. So this is going to be a very interesting time. So I'm going to kind of flush this out in between episodes. We're going to come back the next time. We're going to create the sector that we're going to start in. And we're going to come up with planets, settlements, and somebody we know from one of these places. And that's going to be part two of our episode zero. So I want to thank you for listening to me ramble about this. I promise I hopefully will get better at this as we go along. 
If you like this, subscribe, go and leave a review. Let me know how, how I did, if there's anything you would change. I'm always open for any sort of constructive criticism at all. So thank you for listening, and hopefully we will see you on the next time around. Have a great day. When someone suffers a grievous injury, they'll often turn to a rigor to make... When someone suffers a grievous injury... When someone suffers a grievous injury...